everybody to the Horror's Edge podcast. My name is Phil. And I'm Stacy. And today we're discussing the 1986 blockbuster Aliens, written and directed by James Cameron. Uh, this film does bring back Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, but also gets to bring us Bill Paxton, uh, Lance Henderson, uh, a whole lot of really cool names in here. Um, this is one that we discussed towards the beginning of our podcast as something that I could not wait to bring up again in the future like what makes a movie a horror movie um many people really enjoy this movie but spoiler before we even getting to the reviews this is probably my favorite horror movie of all time and when people ask me hey what's your favorite horror movie and I say aliens the first bullshit that comes out of their mouth is oh that's not even a horror movie it's a sci-fi. Yeah, it's a sci-fi movie. Um, and I, like I'm thinking about it, and as I'm thinking, I'm like, no, this is this is horror. There are monsters that are chasing people and killing people. Yeah. That, but at the same time, it, it's so much action in this movie that you can easily see how it takes the horrorness away. Now, the original Alien, there's no question in my mind is that horror. And I think that there's not many questions in many people's mind is that horror. Yeah, you can say it's sci-fi, but at the root of it, it's a straight horror movie. There is one thing that's out to kill the people on the ship, and then that's it. Yeah. Now, why is it different? Because there's multiple things. Makes no sense to me. Um, people's definitions of horror is completely wacky. It goes in and out, in and out, in and out, and fully contradicts itself. Whereas, I don't think that there's any one scenario where you can say this is what a horror movie is. Yeah. I mean, Jaws is a horror movie. What's so horrific about a shark until they made that movie uh have there been people that died sure but if there was a movie about a hippopotamus i don't think that that would be considered a horror movie by many people do you no and hippos kill more people uh in the world every year than any other animal more than is that a fact it is uh excluding things like mosquitoes because they carry disease yes uh that's constantly up there as uh the thing that kills the most but um hippos kill the most people in the world every year if there was ever a movie made about hippopotamus it would never be considered a horror but because this is a shark and you don't get to see much of it people will see that much more as a horror movie but it's really the way that it's trying to make you feel I guess is truly what makes a horror movie a horror movie. Uh, the original Alien movie left you nervous the whole time. Yes. From start to finish. Whereas Aliens has a lot more action to break up those feelings of nervousness. So does that make it not a horror movie? I don't think so because it still focuses on those fears. Uh, there are so many scenes throughout this movie where you, you just tense up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think that... It, when a movie tries to scare you intentionally and that that's basically its main point i think that's what makes it more of a horror style movie could be completely wrong and if you want to classify it as something else i don't care (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't change my opinions on what this movie means to me um so when i was a kid i think that i mentioned just during the debut episode i don't quite remember but either way um i might have been 
nine or ten and I was thinking of what I wanted for Christmas and I could not think of anything more than Alien was coming out with a trilogy box set on VHS Alien, Aliens, and Alien 3 and I was dying for this box set I wanted it so damn bad but I knew that all three of them were rated R so uh, I was thinking about how am I going to word this because I wanted to throw a good word into the parents you know uh, so Santa. they could they could send uh, the good word out to Santa. Yeah. Um, now, granted, at this time, I think that I already knew. But either way, um, spoiler. <laughs> uh, you should not be listening to this podcast if you don't know. <laughs> I dropped too many f bombs for kids. Um, I was trying to think of how to mention this to my parents to convince them that I was mature enough for this and what I resorted to was crying. <laughs> it's like the complete opposite of matureness. I'm like, oh man, I really want this, but I don't think Santa's going to let me have it because they're rated R and it has bad words. But sure enough, I got it for Christmas that year. And I watched this movie nonstop. Uh, my VHS player between Forrest Gump, Aliens, and Jurassic Park. I don't know how it continued working with how many times I played these <laughs> movies. Aliens was a constant, probably in my VHS player, guaranteed every month, but probably almost every week wow. I watched this movie. Uh, to the point where I think when we first got together, I hadn't seen it for four or five years. I put it in and I was still able to remember line by line yeah. <laughs> uh, every line. But I, we got to treat ourselves today. Today, we didn't watch the th theatrical cut. We watched the director's cut or the special edition, whatever it is that you want to call it. It adds about 17 minutes of extra footage that's not in the theatrical cut. Um, did you see the director's cut previously? No, or you have no idea? No, I knew certain things that were not in the original, um, so I definitely caught on. I don't know if I caught everything, but there were certain points where I was like, that wasn't in the original. Yeah, I, I think that I know the vast majority of the things that weren't in the original. There may be certain one or two lines here or there that weren't in the original that I didn't catch on to, but I know the majority of them, and I think this is the way the movie should have been shown to begin with because it added so much more depth to the characters. Yes, I agree. The scenes that it added, I, I felt like, how the hell could you cut this out of this movie? Granted, great movie. Yep. I loved it regardless without yep. these 17 minutes. But this makes it so much better. Highly, highly, highly recommend that when you watch this movie, you watch the director's cut of it. Um, and with that being said we've been dancing around it let's get into what our actual uh review of this movie is um so as a uh, quick warning there may be very slight spoilers in this but we're going to try and keep it as spoiler free as possible so the way that we review movies is one through ten one being dog shit terrible uh do not watch this movie do not waste your time ten being this is a cinematic masterpiece everybody needs to see it five being it's average if you watch it you're not going to be upset you're not going to be pissed uh and you're going to say yeah it's okay where would you write this movie just to be funny 
because I know how much you like this movie, I really want to give it a one just to see what you would say. Because <laughs> you hyped it up so much. Yeah. But okay, in all seriousness, um, I'm giving it a seven. Okay. What made you give you that? Um, I loved the opening card. The opening title really awed me. The thing that kind of threw me and gave it a little bit of a lower score, um, some of the graphics, which obviously I know this movie's been made many, many moons ago, Mm -hmm. um, but they just were dated. Some of the, like the space scenes just seemed so cheesy. (laughs) Uh, The views. Yeah. Um, But again, I know it's an older movie. It's coming up on 40 years. That's crazy. 1986. I mean, it holds well. It's just because I'm so spoiled with the graphics nowadays, you kind of look back and you're like, "Hmm, okay. Oh, I get it. I watch movies from the 60s, and uh, it's hard to enjoy them the way that they did in the past. I liked that it wasn't completely serious. There's a lot of, like, small little humor here and there, and it made me giggle. Yep. Um, good acting. Some of the actors were super over the top of their acting, but that was their character. Yeah. So it's not really a flaw, but to me... The colonial marines, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you kept talking about how they added time, added time. Even without the, theori- the added addition, this movie seems so long. <laughs> I kept yawning. I was getting so worn out by just watching it. Not that it's not a great movie, but it seems like it's forever. Like, it finally gets built up. And I think it's, what did you say, two hours? 34 minutes. And it felt it. (laughs) (laughs) Once you kind of get over that hump, like, I think you had stopped it at one point and it was at an hour. And I was like, that was only an hour. (laughs) It felt like it was longer, but it was a good movie. So... It's a solid seven. There's a couple things I would take out. What about you? So I can easily go over to your notes and put a little half circle on the top of that seven and make it a nine and feel okay about it. This is a ten. Yeah. This is... I knew it was going to be a ten. Yeah, I keep going back and forth in my head of what do I like more, this or Jurassic Park? Um Really, Forrest Gump moved down to number three for me. That used to be my number one movie of all time, regardless, no matter what. And uh, now it's not. It doesn't have the same rewatchability as Jurassic Park does, as uh, Aliens does. So now this is teetering with Jurassic Park of which one of those two movies do I like more. And I think that's Aliens. Really? Um, This may be my favorite movie of all time. Uh very very rare for a horror movie to get the credit that this one does it's actually number 65 on imdb's top 250 of all time and it deserves to be higher on that list um the acting in it is awesome absolutely awesome the special effects in here are incredible the story that is in here absolutely amazing yeah because when you think about it Nobody touched this movie from the time that the original one came out. Um, Years. Because what the hell do you do with that story to make it better or even make it serviceable enough to get a sequel and have somebody not say that it's a cash grab? The story that is in this movie is perfect. It's 100% perfect. 
So what's the time frame from the first movie to the second one? Let me look I'm that up curious. real quick. I'm not sure. Because uh, this is technically a sequel, but they didn't want to call it Aliens 2. 1979. So seven years. It took seven okay. years for this movie to come out. And uh, it's pretty funny because when James Cameron came up with the idea for this movie, uh, he mentioned the idea of Ripley coming back and doing all this stuff. And uh, you didn't even know. Uh, he was told, yeah, sure. Uh, Sigourney Weaver's coming back for sure. Nobody brought it up to Sigourney Weaver that yeah. she's coming back. So he wrote this entire script about her, brought it to the studio. They're like, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. Uh, we, by the way, we don't have Sigourney Weaver yet. What a bummer. <laughs> so she ended up becoming the highest paid actress, I believe, in history prior to this. Uh, she made a million dollars to take on this role, which is huge, huge money for an actress back then. Good for and, her. Uh, Man, everything about this movie to me is perfect. I, I love it. Um, there are some over-the-top characters, but I've spent 17 years in the military so far, another three to go, and what I can say is there are some over-the-top people inside of the Marines yes. for sure. Yes. Um, so the people that you think are over-the-top, there really are people that are like that inside of the military. Oh, I and wasn't saying You that. have the dramatic dramatic bitchers like bill paxton's character and yes. here you have the way over the top uh oorah sergeant like um uh what's his name opponent sergeant opponent you have the completely incompetent lieutenant that's almost every lieutenant in the military no I, <laughs> bunch of I, idiots <laughs> i understand that and that's why i gave it a giggle because obviously i'm not in the military but i've been around it with you so i see it firsthand i can picture certain names that obviously i will not say who fit those characters very well um so i get it it to me it made sense because that's the characters that they were trying to build yeah yeah to me it, it, like i said 100 percent perfect movie um does not get much better than this. I, I absolutely love this movie. A um, couple of things I found on uh, IMDb as far as trivia goes. We got... Like most films, this movie was not shot uh, sequential, but... For added realism, James Cameron filmed the scene where we first meet the Colonial Marines, which is one of the first scenes, as the very last scene of the movie. And he did this that way. They had the camaraderie together and make it a little bit more realistic because they already spent months together filming. Uh, the next thing here is Bill Paxton continuously apologized to Carrie Henn, who plays Newt throughout the movie, throughout filming, uh, because every time Hudson had to swear in front of her, he felt terrible about it. Later on, Carrie admitted that she didn't mind at all, mainly because uh, she didn't even know what any of the words meant. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And working with kids in a uh, movie like this is very difficult for people. I know that a lot of actors have trouble with it, especially in horror movies. Uh they're trying their best to not traumatize a kid for life. Yeah. Like Bill Skarsgård felt like shit playing Pennywise with a bunch of kids. Yeah. And uh, Pet Cemetery, um, like, they felt horrible working with uh, kids and making them perform horrendous acts and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it's tough stuff. Uh, Lance Hendrickson uh pledged to quit acting if this part didn't work out for him after years of journeyman roles he's been trying for years and years and then this ended up being one of his most successful films and he did fucking amazing playing bishop in this movie 
really did good. Uh, in both the standard and special edition versions, the 15-minute countdown at the end is exactly 15 minutes. Wow. And the last one I'm going to go through, there's a ton of them on here, but uh, the knife trick that uh, Bishop does was originally scripted for Bishop to do alone, and according to Lancey suggested James Cameron to have Hudson's hand put on top of his for added effect of both... Uh, Bill, uh, Bill Paxton's character as well as uh, him, it gets to bring a little bit more dynamic to it. And everybody on set knew, except for Bill Paxton. <laughs> so was that a real reaction then? Yeah, it's a real reaction. Holy cow. Uh, or at least, obviously, he's not truly scared about it, but he... he uh, yeah. It, it helped enhance his acting. <laughs> and they ended up having a night of drinking and then the following day they went to do a reshoot of the scene because the first one looked too fake when they sped it up and he accidentally caught Paxson's pinky finger uh, with a <laughs> knife during the reshoot. So they ended up sticking with the first one. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So from here, we are going full out spoilers. We're going to break down this movie scene by scene, kind of talk about uh, how things went down. So if you have not seen this movie, go see it. 100% find anywhere that you can to do it or what I f fully recommend is pick up the blu-ray copy of it and watch the extended edition because it does add more and as we're in the uh, spoiler section I'm gonna dive into what it adds to the movie that the other cut did not have so we are getting into spoilers so the differences between this movie and the original you said that you thought that you could pick out what they are so let me throw you on the spot what's different there's one scene where ripley's sitting after she was um found she's sitting like on a park bench with like a almost like a tv screen yeah. and she like turns it it's like um like a park and then all of a sudden she turns it off and burke is his name? Yep. Comes in and explains that it's been 57 years and then she ends up waking up. So basically that whole scene of her like sitting on the park bench was like a dream. No. That wasn't that was in the original? <laughs> no, it's not that at all. It's that wasn't a dream. That that was real. What oh. was a dream is the very beginning when the chest burster came through and then she woke up. Oh. So what you're saying is a difference between okay. the two, but you got it jumbled up a little bit. So what the original movie might have very briefly mentioned is she had a child named uh, Amanda Ripley. Yes. And when she left, she promised her daughter that she would be back for her 11th birthday. Now, the scene that you're talking about definitely was not in the original one. And uh, Bert comes over because she's looking for her daughter. She wants to find her daughter and come home to her daughter. And she finds out that her daughter died two years prior so mm -hmm. she just missed it and he pulls out a photo of her daughter and it's an old lady uh in her 60s somewhere i think that she was 66. 67 yeah something like that i'd have to go through my notes but uh and she's looking at the photo and she's still able to see her daughter and able to say my, my baby yeah. uh heart-wrenching scene and it, it really goes on to show throughout the film 
this film is about motherhood ripley being a mother yes um and that's one of the really big things i'm like why do you take that out of the original movie it's so crucial yeah because i remember when that scene happened i thought i don't really remember her having a daughter let alone explaining kind of what had happened to the daughter so that was a scene that they definitely should have kept in because it really gave a good foundation for later on Yep, and there's a tribunal scene that happens very shortly after that. This, this is the one where she's talking basically to the corporation, Will and uh, yes. Yutani Corporation, and their interest in the case that happened prior. Now, that scene did happen in the movie, but it was very quick, like uh, yes. in and out. This goes much more in detail with it. You, uh, Yeah, it goes a lot more in detail with it, which feels needed. I, I enjoyed how this was in there. Those were the two scenes that I did think of. Was there more? Oh, yeah. So the entire uh, colony reveal. So showing people at uh, LB-426, that was not in there at all. And they added probably three minutes or four minutes in there of this, uh, showing kids riding bikes around the wheel in Yutani Corporation, that this was a full-fledged site for families. Um, and it makes you feel for everybody there yeah. so much more. Whereas the original only showed um, people uh, cocooned. That's the only way that you knew that there were that many people other than they briefly mentioned that there's 60 or 70 families there. Yeah, I was going to say because when I watched it like the original time, I was trying to figure out how Newt fit in. Yeah. Um, Because they didn't really touch on that. So it definitely was needed like an explanation of like her family. Yeah. Uh, it also has a little bit more of uh, Ripley's conversation with Burke. They go a little bit more in detail before she agrees to go over there because she's very suspicious of him in this yes. one, whereas the original was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, when the Marines are first patrolling through the area of LV-426, um, they build up the tension a whole lot more in this compared to the original. The original is just they walk around, they walk around, they walk around. Oh, there's new. It's a very quick thing, whereas this, you get more time with them. You're building the suspension. It feels yes. more terrifying than yes. the uh, theatrical cut. And the robot sentries uh, are much, much more involved. The sentry guns. I don't. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So that was in there, but not much at all. Um and those are the main things. There's obviously more talk uh, in this one than the original release. Um, the other thing that I th I'm almost positive was not in the original, but is in this one, is towards the end of the film, uh, Ripley and Hicks are together. And uh, Hicks says his name is Dwayne. And then she says, I'm Ellen. First time that she mentions her first name throughout the entire film and the only time. Yeah. And it's the first time he mentions his first name. It's a good moment of character development there. Um, or closure. I guess the characters are already developed. But uh, it, it adds a little bit more humanity to uh, Corporal Hicks and definitely makes Ripley feel more of a person by having that thrown in there, even though it was such a small thing. Yeah, I did notice that because... Most military people go by last name, so yeah. by them sharing their first name, it's really in, um, like a stepping stone to say like I'm not just a military person or I'm not this person. I'm a human being. Yeah, 
and it's difficult for you to break out of. I I know uh, my first few years inside of the military, I was just last name. Yeah, <laughs> and I was last name's wife. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a first name either. <laughs> so anyway, the, uh, let's get into a scene-by-scene scene breakdown. Otherwise, we're going to be here for four hours, which I could easily took four hours on this movie. Um, <laughs> so this film's kicked off with... Uh, like a quick two-minute things from James Cameron, similar to the first one with Ridley Scott, of uh, how he wanted to... Uh, he preferred this version versus the theatrical version. They obviously made him cut it shorter because of people like you who say that it's too long. <laughs> um, but he felt that the, this was more, in, more intense. This is the ride that we intended you to take. So enjoy. Uh, very quick, very down to the point. I didn't mind it at all. Obviously, same thing that I said with Alien. I wish that it was longer, but I just discovered on the Blu-rays that there's uh, an entire version of the movie with them talk, the people who made it talking over. So I'm very excited to dive into that and get a whole bunch of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff with it. Yeah. The inner nerd in me is going to love it. <laughs> so the movie kicks off uh, with the title card, and it's a pretty cool digital blue that you get which eventually turns into the aliens logo uh and then we see ripley's ship and nothing of space there's nothing around it besides blank space and then we're inside the ship um the intelligence detectors on the ship start coming on saying that another ship is coming aboard and they're about to dock <clears throat> and uh from here a plasma cutter makes a perfect cut along the door uh to the room that ripley's in which I later on found out that the special effects guy paid for out of his own pocket for that scene because he felt like it was needed uh, oh, wow. to be in there. So that, that was pretty damn cool. Um, so from here, uh, some people come in, they're salvagers. Uh, so that's their job. They found it in the depths of space. And a little bit ner more of a nerdy alien background, uh, I played the game Alien Isolation, which is... A story of Amanda Ripley, which falls in between the original Alien and Aliens. And Amanda spends her entire life uh, devoted to finding her mother. Like, she travels space, she's pilot, and stuff like that. Um, and they constantly mention how um, the Nostromo is, like, one of the biggest bounties out there. That's the holy grail for salvagers to try and find. Anything related to the uh, Nostromo, which is the... Uh, space station that went missing in the last one yeah. that Ripley destroyed. So, kind of cool to cut into that a little bit, even though that was made well after this movie. Huh. Um, so, they see that Ripley's there and that she's alive, and they're they're pissed because they're salvagers, and now they can't claim the stake. They're like, oh, there goes the salvage. Yeah. Uh, they take Ripley to a large space, uh, space station to get some medical attention, and Burke walks in with Jonesy, her cat, and he mentions to her that she's been in hyperspace for 57 years. She starts to panic, and then the chest burster pops out of her chest, but then she wakes up. Um, this movie is one of the first things that I ever saw that introduced uh, video conferencing, which I thought was awesome as a kid. Yeah. And I still like how they did it in this movie much more than FaceTime. <laughs> Uh, they hand out business cards that actually uh, link you to that person's thing. So if you put that business card into the computer, then it will video call that person. That's cool. Which is pretty neat how they do it. Um, so uh, th there's a scene of Ripley sitting on a bench. This is what you were talking about. And she's just sitting there in deep thought about 57 years that she just missed. 
And uh, that has to be just like crazy to feel. Yeah. Your whole life is gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's insane. But at the same time, you're still just a 30 whatever year old woman. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Like that many years gone by and it affected you none. Right. That has to be crazy to feel. You go to sleep thinking, okay, maybe a year, maybe two, and you wake up and your entire family's gone. Yep. Yep. And uh, so as soon as Burke walks in, the projected park goes away and you can tell that it's just a TV, which is a pretty neat way for a hospital to bring like an outdoor environment. I've seen it before. I think that it was in uh, Blade Runner that did that pretty famously. And it works great. I love seeing it. Yeah. And he shows uh, Ripley, Amanda Ripley's photo, her daughter who died two years prior. Uh, no children, so there's no uh, bloodline remaining for Ripley. Um, and you can tell Ripley's heart's just broken. She's like, I, pr- I promised her that I'd be home on her 11th birthday. Yeah. Promise that she obviously couldn't keep, not to any fault of her own, but still sad. Uh, so in the conference room... Uh, there's a screen showing the crew members from the first movie one at a time. It will show the member. And then it gives a employee ID and then the name. So very much to these uh, board members, these are assets. These are not people. Correct. They don't care about the people who died. No. They cared about the assets that were destroyed. And this conference is there for Ripley. Does she still have a job? Is she still employed by the Whale and Yutani Corporation? Or is she going to be tried for uh, negligence due to her destroying the um, ship? Which they said even before any of the cargo that was on the Nostromo, that was worth $42 million and you destroyed it. And Ripley's like, you're goddamn right, I destroyed it, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah. That thing wiped out my entire crew, and they didn't care. She gets so frustrated, as she should be. I mean, she absolutely should be frustrated. But the carelessness of these board members is infuriating. Yeah. You know, they don't care what she has to say. They're asking her these questions. She's giving the honest answers, and they just are like, there's no way that that happened. There was never an alien... There was no need to self-destruct. You basically yeah, just was, wanted to throw the, the ship away. There was no signs left that that thing that you said existed. Right. Is basically what they were saying. And one neat little thing that I noticed that this movie does is all the males who wear suits, they have their collar popped. Really? Did you notice that? I did not. <laughs> it's a pretty neat way. And it, I guess that is their way to show futuristic uh, uh, styles, I guess. It, it, it was a very interesting thing to see. I never recognized it as a kid, but since I remember watching it before. Either way, she mentions LV-426, the alien ship that was there, and uh, it, the, the board instantly shuts her up. They're like, listen, there's no alien ship there. They're colonists on that site. Uh, they've been there for 20 years. We've got like 60, 70 families there. They're terraformers. Basically what they're doing is they're converting this site, which they call LV-426 or planet, whatever it is. Um, they're, uh, changing the air to make it a breathing environment. And this director's cut really brings forth the corporation a lot more. They're like, we're building better worlds here at Whale and Yutani. That's what we do. <laughs> and uh, the court ends up finding Ripley unfit to be a pilot, so they 
Terminator license immediately, but no criminal charges are being pressed. They're like, you should be thanking us. They are not getting actually tried for this. So Which just pisses her off more. Yeah. Um, so from here, we flash over to LB426. Uh, there's a sign outside. It's called Haley's Hope um, or Hadley's Hope. One of the two. I forget what I like that they called them down. Shake and Bake Colonies. <laughs> yeah. It gave me a good giggle thinking of another movie reference. Yeah, Talladega Nights. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, the sign says that there's a population of 158. So there's 158 people on this site. And uh, you can tell it's a thriving workplace. We're here with the uh, boss and his co-worker, and they're discussing um, about a person who just called back who got sent to go look at something and asking, hey, I just want to be sure that I'm looking for this for the right reasons. If I find something, I get claimed for that, right? And the boss is just saying some stupid stuff. They're going around. You see kids riding their tricycles. Full families live right. on this thing. Right. Um, and we go over to the people who are checking it out, and it's Newt's family. Um and they're driving this alien-looking car along the planet, and they end up finding the alien spaceship from the first movie. Um, and the mom and dad leave to go check it out because they don't want to call it in without knowing what they're calling in because they might not get their claim for it. If they just say, we found something, something means nothing. Right. So then whoever comes back and clarifies what that something is is the one who will get the claim. It was so, a neat visual of them showing the alien ship as they were pulling in to um, where they where they found it. Yeah. I thought it was a really neat visual. Yeah. So uh, the kids are in the car. The, the parents wouldn't let them come with them. And they're like, man, it's been forever. And then all of a sudden the mom busts the door open. She's yelling on the phone. We need help. Uh, immediately somebody get out here. And then it pans over and you see the dad on the ground with the face hugger on him. Mm. Ooh, crazy stuff how traumatic yeah so then we cut to another scene this is a pretty infamous scene that i remember which is ripley with like a 20 mile long cigarette ash on her cigarette <laughs> i know <laughs> you can tell that she lit the cigarette and then just completely zoned out and started thinking of something else and you can see in her face she's she's there but she's not there oh you forgot to mention that when she got sentenced she needed to do six months of psychiatric yeah. Treatment. Yeah, that was definitely part of it. So Burke and Lieutenant Gordon of the Colonial Marines come in and tell Ripley that they lost contact with LE-426. Originally, she didn't want them in there, but they're like, hey, we got to talk to you. We lost contact with LE-426. That instantly sparked her attention because that's where everything happened. in the Well, not where things happened, but where the face hugger got on the guy. Yep. Um. So they say that they want her to go to the colony with them to escort the colonial marines. It's nothing more than an advisor. You've seen this stuff before. You know what it could be. Uh, we could definitely use your guidance as you're there. And she's like, no, there's no way. You cannot get me back there. And uh, Burke basically makes fun of her saying, hey, I know that you're working the cargo docks, which is a good thing. It's work. It's solid work. But it's the only thing that you can get because you can't be a pilot. He's yeah. like, we can reinstate you as a flight operator she's like let me guess only if i go with you yep only with both of us yeah so he's dangling over her head what they took away hey we can give this back we can be gracious enough to give this back to you and you can tell she's going back and forth in her head to say do i want to help him out because 
I do know what's going on. I have a sense of what it could be. Yeah. And she kind of loves that they're begging her because they made fun of her and said, you're crazy. None of that happened. And now the tables have turned and they need her. Yeah. And she's still like, yeah, but no, I'm not going to go. What do you think that I'm crazy? And he's like, yeah, I kind of do. I read your psyche vows. You wake up every night screaming. Uh, This can help bring closure to that for you. And she's like, I'm not doing it. Leave my apartment now. So they they both leave. Ripley wakes up from a nightmare and ends up calling Burke. This is where you see the business card go on in the video call. (laughs) Um, And she's like, Bert, I just want to make sure you're going there to kill the creature, not to study it. And he says, yeah, that's the plan. And then she just says, I'm in and pulls the card out, hangs up on him. So now we got a view of a spacecraft heading in and this thing is freaking it's a very similar scene to the beginning of alien to where it's panning around the ship but this ship is loaded with weapons yeah weapons everywhere there are pulse rifles there are grenades grenade launchers there's freaking nukes on this thing this thing is set to destroy some shit which is such a they learned in 57 years (laughs) Yeah, yeah i guess so um so and the coolest thing about it is the fucking cargo loaders. I love the cargo loader in this movie. Yeah. Um, and we're going through this whole ship in complete silence, just like the first one, because everybody's asleep. So the ship wakes everybody up, and it shows us how badass the Colonial Marines are. They get out, and as soon as Sergeant Apone wakes up, he pops a cigar in his <laughs> mouth. Rise and shine! I love it. <laughs> Uh, Pone says, uh, day in the Marine Corps is like a day in the farm. Every meal is a banquet. Every f- paycheck is a fortune. God damn, I love the Corps. <laughs> <laughs> and you got Vasquez over there doing pull-ups. Hus- uh, Hudson's asking her if she's ever been mistaken for a man. He's like, she says, no. Have you? <laughs> so they're all ragging on each other. They're sitting down for food and joking about the colonists, how they don't give a shit about them. They're just here for a paycheck. Uh, and then they start talking about having sex with, uh, different, uh, I'm not sure if they're different aliens or some type of weird name that I haven't heard before. And Hudson gets Bishop to do the knife thing, but he ends up doing it on him, which he didn't know. And it was a funny scene. (laughs) And, uh, Hicks is mentioning, um... To somebody that the lieutenant's too important to eat with his grunts. You see Lieutenant Gordon over there basically eating by himself, not talking with anybody, not joking with anybody. He's just doing his own thing. And Ripley sees Bishop bleeding from uh, the fingertip after the night trip, but he's bleeding white. So she freaks the fuck out because she just finds out now that there's an android on board. Yeah. And the first one, Ash, the android on there, went crazy and tried to kill her. Yeah. So she's freaking out, and Bishop is just, like, super, super chill. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, that must have been an old model, right? And uh, Burke jumps on, yeah, it was a Hyperdyne, whatever model. And he's like, yeah, that makes sense. That Those things are known to have bugs. I, I can't do that. I'm not programmed to do human harm. I, it's completely impossible. And she's like, yeah, well, just stay the hell away from me. Yeah. <laughs> and he offers her his food because he's not eating. He's just giving his phone to people. He knocks it away and uh what's his name one of the uh marines is like huh she must not like the cornbread either <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's so good i love this stuff uh it was uh frost frost is the marine who said that so the lieutenant uh 
uh, sits everybody down and they're doing like a little mission briefing of what's going to be happening. And Hudson's over there raising his question. He's like, what do you want, Hicks? I'm Hudson, man. He's Hicks. So the lieutenant doesn't even know his corporal from his private, which is pathetic. You have a group of 12 people. You should know who the hell they are. (laughs) Um, But either way, he's basically asking what's going on. Ripley talks to the Marines about what happened last time, and nobody there is interested in what she has to say. They're not scared. They're just all badasses. Hudson's the shit talker of the group. He's just mentioning how badass he is, this and that. And after this scene, Ripley's talking to Sergeant Napoleon, basically just saying that she feels useless around here, sir any way that I can help and then she ends up helping with the uh power loaders those things look so much fun yeah it looks awesome like I would have loved to do that they actually ended up making a real life version of that really yeah I actually uh pulled Looked it up <laughs> I pulled it up I got a video of it right here each arm is seven feet long and can lift up to 500 pounds and you operate it very similarly to uh how it's operated That's in the movie so cool. and it's such an awesome thing that obviously inspired from the movie yeah so for sure. it's practicality is probably nowhere near <laughs> as useful as uh <laughs> um it was designed to be in this movie but still really awesome stuff and just the visuals of it's super super cool yep so all the marines are getting ready for action they're getting everything loaded on the plane that sets drop down and Sergeant Opponent is just walking around pumping everybody up. He's just walking around. You are complete badasses. He's like <laughs> smacking them on the chest and like going through all the stuff that they do. And uh, they drop off to land on the planet. And I did right here. The special effects aren't great. But they only pan outside of the ship for a few seconds because yeah. they know that the special effects can't be what they need it to be and then they go back in and they make it work so well they're showing shaky cameras to show that the plane is making a rocky movement yeah. um it, it, everything about this it it's awesome special effects are okay they're far better than the last one yes um but they're not quite perfect yet Lieutenant Gorman looks very sick, and Ripley notices that he looks like a little bitch, and she's like, hey, how many combat drops is this for you? He says, oh, it's like 37. Simulated. <laughs> and Vasquez here says, how many real ones? Two. Including, including this, this one. one. <laughs> None of the Marines in there respect him, besides maybe Sergeant Opponent. He's only doing that because he knows that he has to. Yeah. As a sergeant, you can't let your guys know that your leader sucks. <laughs> but he knows that his leader sucks. And everybody there knows that he sucks. Yeah. Um, Hudson is talking about how bad he is, is to Ripley and... He's walking from person to person, like, oh, we got this, and we got this, and we got this. Archie Poe's like, shut the hell up and sit down. And somebody <laughs> wake Corporal Hicks up. Hicks is just passed down in his chair as they're doing this, like, 4G drop. He's just so you sleeping. can tell that he has gone through some shit. This is not Corporal Hicks's first rodeo. No. He's done this plenty of times. Yeah. And uh, the movie gets so much more into the world of aliens, like the world building for it. They're constantly showing Whaling Utani stuff, building better worlds, uh, diving deeper and deeper into the corporation. Uh, they do such an awesome job with it. At this point, I think they know this isn't going to be a one movie thing and done. They know it's going to be a franchise, and they do a very good job at it. Um, 
So they land, and then the Marines hop out, full formation. They enter the facility, and the facility is just destroyed. Uh, you can tell that a battle was definitely fought there. Hicks turns on his motion tracker, uh, which sounds so cool. It adds to the score so much. Uh, just the beeping that it makes, but it's done so well with the music that's playing in the background. I loved it. Yeah, I liked that they had the trackers where you could track each person. I think that really brought a lot of value to the movie. Yep. Yeah, uh, I think it's very similar to the motion tracker that they used in the last one, but this one's more high tech. It, it definitely fits better with the type of group that they have. I also meant like the trackers on the person, like their oh, heartbeat yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff, and where they're on a screen. I think there was like twelve of them where the lieutenant was keeping an eye on them, and they also had a camera. I think the three of those things put together really brought the movie full circle. Yeah. So it's a very tense scene where they're going from room to room and then they start sensing motion and they're slowly tracking it out. But it just turns out to be some cute little hamsters running around, <laughs> uh, which once again goes to people lived here. Yeah. This this was a home for children. Yeah. Uh, and it does not look like that now. No. So they notice holes in the steel flooring. Uh, Ripley actually first sees it because they have each um, Marine has a camera on their helmet and uh the lieutenant stays back so that way he can watch the video of all of them and be able to give advice via the uh microphones that they all have and uh she sees it tells him to go back and then they're like oh shit acid for blood this is this is ripley's bad guy that did this yeah uh, so now they're st slowly starting to believe her lieutenant gordon says the area is secure and ripley's like no it's not secure what the hell do you mean it's secure right and they're like no i said that it's secure no need to further search and uh the lieutenant's like all right uh gentlemen i'm coming in and hudson's like "Ooh, the lieutenant's come in i feel safer already <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it when they rag on gorman it's so awesome <laughs> Uh, so Ripley and the lieutenant are now on their way. They get there uh, with the Marines, and they're walking around. They can see barricades at, uh, around the doors and stuff, and this little basically computer room they're calling the command center, I think, in this. They, they can tell that this was clearly the last stand, and obviously it didn't work. Um, Ripley sees some of the face huggers and science tubes on display, and one of them still, two of them are still alive and jump scares Burke. Um, the group sees motion in front of them and tracks it down and Drake instantly shoots. Like as soon as he sees something move in front of him, he just pulls the trigger without thinking twice. Yeah. And it turned out to be a little girl. Uh, and Ripley's talking really nice to try and get him out, but the Marines just grab her and pull. <laughs> so it was a pretty cool little dynamic of how the two groups work completely differently. Uh, Ripley uh, breaks away from the pack, dives into the t vent that she was in, and goes into this air duct that she was hiding in very clearly for quite some time. Yeah. And she finds a picture that she had of herself. Her name was Rebecca. Um, and they all set up shop inside of the last stand location. I'm going to start calling it Command Central or something like that. Um, Lieutenant Gorman keeps trying to talk to Newt, but she's not responding at all because he's yelling. Yeah. And this girl's obviously been through trauma. Ripley comes up and she has hot chocolate with her and gives her the hot chocolate. She's talking to her, like rubbing the dirt away from her face, talking to her like a mother. Yeah. Uh, they have Hudson hop on the computers and start scanning them, trying to find the colonists because all the 
colonists had trackers implemented on them before they went there. So obviously they have to be there somewhere. Um, Newt finally starts talking, or I say Newt, uh, Rebecca finally starts talking, and this is where we find out that her name is Newt. Nobody calls her Newt except for her mother or her brother. No, nobody calls her Rebecca. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, she goes by Newt. So she finally gets out of her, her whole family's dead. Her brother's dead. Her mom's dead. Her dad's dead. She's there completely by herself. And she's like, well, you're with us now. Doesn't that make you feel safer? She's like, no. <laughs> uh, and Bishop's in the corner just dissecting the face hugger. And he's like super into it, super intrigued. And you get serious Ash vibes here yes. when he's doing that. And you're yes. thinking to yourself, is he just going to turn on them like Ash did? Yes, that was a good technique for them to use because you have the background of what ash did and he's very similar so you get to play this mind game of is he telling the truth or is he not yeah so hudson is on the computer and he finds all the trackers huddled into one location he's like it's goddamn town meeting over there (laughs) (laughs) and all the marines hop back in the vehicle and go to head over there uh the room has been converted into some type of chamber. There's like dried, uh, secreted resin all over the walls and stuff like that. And, uh, Ripley and the Lieutenant Burke stay back. And she mentions that they're currently under the primary heat exchangers. So they can't fire their guns. And Gorman's like, why not? What the hell does that matter? Like, well, it's basically a nuclear reactor. If you, um, impede that then this whole planet's gonna blow up the fact and, that he didn't know that yeah pretty just pathetic. shows that he's a pathetic leader yeah so gorman's over the radio and tar selgin opponent to gather up all the ammo flames only um a couple of the people don't listen to him and they keep their ammo um so the team finds bodies of the colony in the walls like resin to the walls with their chest bursts open and eggs below them and dead face huggers all over the place this this room is a slaughterhouse and uh one of the civilians is still alive in the wall asking to be killed please kill me and an alien then bursts out of her chest and they use the flamethrower to kill the alien um and they're getting signals of things moving everywhere around them like everywhere and they're like, I don't know what it is. I don't see anything. And there's one other Marine there. Nothing's on infrared. I don't see anything. And Crow uh, gets grabbed from behind uh, from one of the aliens. And she's as she gets pulled back, she hits the flame on the flamethrower, which lights Frost on fire and kills him. Vasquez says, fuck it, and just starts shooting everything that moves. Yeah. Despite them not supposed to be having ammo and the lieutenant's like completely lost here he doesn't know what to do he's like you guys shouldn't be firing we 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 said no firing what is going on right he he cannot take control of his people sergeant pone's doing his best job in there trying to take control of everything but the reception back with the lieutenant's horrible because of all the gunfire if the lieutenant just sucks and then an alien kills sergeant pone um Ripley pushes the lieutenant aside, grabs his microphone, says, you guys need to retreat. Get the hell out of there right now. Lieutenant Gordon is freaking frozen solid. Yeah. So Ripley pushes him out of the way and starts to drive the vehicle towards them. Yep. Takes control instantly. Rips, Ripley breaks in to save them, <clears throat> opens the door, and the Marines fall back. Uh, Drake and Vasquez are kind of holding up the back because they have the large guns, and they're shooting the aliens as they come in. Vasquez shoots one of the aliens, spraying the acid blood onto her best friend, uh, 
which basically kills Drake. So Drake yeah. is left behind, and they pull her into the van. She's like, no, we need to go back and get him. Like, he's gone. Sorry. Yeah. So she's got to deal with the fact that she just killed her best friend, and she's putting all the blame on Lieutenant Gorman. Uh, Ripley drives away, blowing through doors, destroys the transmission on the vehicle, so now they no longer have a vehicle. Uh, Lieutenant Gorman fell and he bumped his head and got a concussion, so he's <laughs> out cold. And Vasquez is like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to kill him for bringing us into that bloodbath. Yeah. Uh, and they noticed uh, Sergeant Napone and another guy are still alive. Their trackers are still moving. And Ripley's like, there's nothing that we can do for him. They're cocooning him just like they did from us. What we need to do is we need to take off and nuke them from orbit and burke's like whoa 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 we can't do that the value of this planet we need to think about this this is an important species that we're dealing with here yeah and corporal hicks is uh and now now in charge now the lieutenant is down and out sergeant opponent is dead corporal hicks is in charge by rank that's when you really get a sense of what burke's role was in this trip was company money you know, study this um, species. He doesn't have a care for human life. He cares about the company and making money. So Burke even goes as far as uh, saying, hey, Corporal Hicks can't make that decision. He's just a grunt. Not taken. And Corporal Hicks is like, yeah, no problem. No offense. But I agree with you, Ripley. Let's go out into space and nuke this goddamn place. It's the only way to be sure, right, Burke? (laughs) Yep. Uh, So from here, um, the pilot and uh, the other guy that's with him, Spunkmeyer, gets the call to go over there. Spunkmeyer runs back into the plane. He noticed some alien drool all over the entrance to the ship. Gross. And uh, (laughs) she's like, never mind, just get in here. I don't care. And they're flying the plane, and the alien gets into the cockpit, kills the pilot, causing the plane to crash land pretty hard. Um, From here, Hudson starts freaking out. So he was the complete badass before, but now he doesn't know what to do. He can't control himself now that they're in a negative situation. Uh, And one of my favorite parts in the movie is when uh, Bill Paxton's just like, that's it, man. Game over, man. Game over, man. (laughs) He's freaking out. I love it. He's freaking the heck out. Bill Paxton's the fucking man. Uh, So Newt says that we need to get back because they mostly come out at night. Mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Me and one of my buddies in recruiting used to say that all the time. (laughs) Um, So Corporal Hicks goes over to the weaponry uh, that they have left. Uh, They're basically doing an ammo count. It's not a whole lot, but they still have four uh, huge sentry guns that they can set up. Uh, So that way they can kind of set something in place. And Ripley's like, well, how long is it going to be with no contact till they come back? 17 days. Hudson's freaking the fuck out, but Ripley basically just takes charge, puts him right in his place and tells him, you're supposed to be the badass and this kid's the only one acting brave. Shut the hell up. Yeah. And it, she gives him a job to do. Uh, she wants him to hop on the computers and find the files that are going to be able to help him. Get us blueprints, get us whatever he can. Uh, while everybody else sets up motion tracking sentry guns outside the command room. So Newt says, uh, my mom used to tell me there are no such thing as monsters. But there are monsters to Ripley, which I thought was another cool line. Yeah. Uh, and Ripley's like, yeah, there are. But Ripley's referring to the people being the monsters, not necessarily the aliens, I think. Um, and uh, 
So Ripley gives Newt at this point her bracelet, her tracking bracelet, um, so that they can now track her. And she's like, yeah, it's just for luck. But obviously it comes into place later. Bishop finds the uh, aliens, like he was doing a bunch of research on the aliens going through their computer files. And what they do is the aliens will grab the people, bring them into their nest, resin them up to the walls, and then they'll grab the eggs and put the eggs next to the person that's in the wall so that way the alien can incubate the person increasing their population so they're not really killing the people they are using the people as hosts um and they're like well that's all good and great but how did the eggs get there there must be like a queen like some type of queen bee um and she's like hey that's all good and great bishop but once you're done looking at that alien go ahead and destroy he's like no i can't burke gave me pretty specific instructions to bring these aliens back with him she's like okay yeah <laughs> so she confronts burke and uh she's telling him hey not only are you not going to be able to bring the aliens back because quarantine will not let them get past them but you are also going to jail for killing all those colonists he's like i have no idea what you're talking about she's like well i looked through the logs and you sent those colonists to lb426 uh the site and you didn't even tell them what's there, what to expect. They just brought a poor family over there, and now the entire colony's dead. Yeah. Everybody's dead, and it's your fault, and you're going to fry for it. Um, so an alarm's going off uh, because the guns are firing at the aliens, uh, and it's just blasting through them like crazy. These things are Century Gun 50 cals just blow blowing through rounds. I think each one has 500 rounds. Yeah. And they get through the uh, first... Uh, set of them and through the second bishops on the radio says that the he's got some bad news for him come over here so they go over there and they find out that when the plane crashed it ru it ruptured the core of the site so basically there's four hours until this planet explodes um and they come up with a plan to where there's a second ship that they can use but it's on their spaceship that's floating and the transmitter is destroyed so bishop has to fix the transmitter to be able to re uh, remotely drop the plane back to them so he crawls into this air duct and they freaking weld him back in it i know Woo! this has always got me as far as a like super tense super claustrophobic moment the even though you know that this tube that he's in for filming is probably only six feet long it's got to be terrifying I how know. tight he was. The, the visual of him, because he had like a computer, but he basically was like... Well, he had it in his mouth because well, it, he mean. couldn't move his hands. It, he, he had to sneak his arms in front of him through this tube and then just kind of inch his way. One inch, I one know. inch, one inch, one inch. It Super gave tight. me so much fear watching yeah. that. I It almost like I couldn't breathe because it's so tight. Oh my god. Yep. So we go back over to the sentry guns and they are fucking the aliens up, but they're running low on ammo. They're almost out. And all of a sudden, they got to the last gun with 10 rounds left and the aliens retreated. And instantly, uh, Corporal Hicks and uh, Hudson are both excited. They're like, hey, uh, they retreated. We won. They're like, Ripley's like, no, they're just finding another way. Right. They're finding another way in here. Um, Hicks goes through and shows Ripley how to use the pulse rifle and the grenade launcher. And Lieutenant Gorman's now up and walking around. He got up from his concussion 
and Burke is walking him around. Say nap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ripley goes in to check on Newt. She's sleeping in the below the bed, not in it. Uh, and then Ripley decides that she's going to take a nap with her, so she lays the gun down on top of the bed and she goes to sleep. Uh, Bishop makes it to the reactor and he's working on the transmitter. He finally fixes it and the ship drops down to him. Ripley notices, she wakes up and notices a face hugger tube on the ground and her gun is missing and they're locked into this room. So the face hugger jumps towards her, but she's able to throw the bed at it before it can get her. No one can hear them because they're in a locked tight room. Uh, this is the uh, medical quarantine room and they're waving their arms at the video camera. Burke sees it, and he turns the screen off. What a dick. What a dick. What a dick. So Ripley grabs her lighter and uh, sets the fire detectors off in the room. Uh, the Marines come in. They shoot the glass, bust through the glass, find the face huggers, kill the two face huggers in there. And she instantly says it was Burke. He did this because he couldn't bring the alien through quarantine. And he figured that if the alien impregnated us with the embryo, we'd be able to get through the quarantine and he would mess with your sleep chambers. That way you died and there's no witnesses. He did this purely out of greed. And Burke is struggling with it, but he's stumbling through words. Oh, this is all just paranoid delusion. Uh, Ripley doesn't know anything about this and ripley's just like you know i don't know what's worse the species or you because the species aren't fucking each other over for a goddamn percentage right uh so the motion trackers start going off at this point there are aliens all the fuck around them so they quickly seal the door with their welder but uh the they're still getting closer 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 and like this thing's got to be wrong it shows that they're inside of the room and they just kind of stop and then they look up and uh, there's a really cool scene of Hicks looking up through the air ducts and then all the aliens just like crawling into the room. So they yeah. were going up through the air ducts uh, to get in there and <clears throat> they're blasting away at them. Burke leaves the room and locks the door behind him so that way he can uh, escape. But there's an alien in the room that he went to who captures Burke. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it does not capture him. This alien kills him. Yes. Thank which goodness. normally they only capture you, but for some reason they're like, man, this guy's a dick. <laughs> I don't want the alien to be a dick too. <laughs> so they kill him. Uh, an alien climbs from the floorboards and grabs Hudson. So Hudson's now gone. Uh, Hicks cuts the locks to the door so that way they can escape. They all escape through the air ducts. Um, and Vasquez is taking up the rear with uh, guns to kill any aliens that are coming towards them. Um, as they're going through the air ducts, Vasquez runs out of ammo and only has a pistol. So she's still taking them down, but it's going slower. So they're getting closer. And one of the shots ends up badly burning her with the blood. So Lieutenant Gorman turns around to help her. And he's dragging her out while shooting the alien. So complete change of character for lieutenant gorman absolutely to where he probably just didn't have the experience before because obviously this was only a second drop he doesn't have it it's a yeah. lieutenant thing but he does have it in him so he turned around to help vasquez and uh he runs out of ammo too so they end up grabbing a uh grenade sacrificing themselves to save the others yes. because they were going to die either way. The grenade kills a ton of aliens. The blast nukes, uh, knocks Newt down a slow-moving fan, and now Newt falls below the floorboards, which are all steel. So they track uh, Newt down with the uh, bracelet that she's wearing. 
and Newt is underground, which is some type of tunnel with water. Maybe it's a coolant tunnel or something like that, I'm not sure. And they find her underneath the floorboard, start cutting through, and there's this really awesome visual of the alien rising from the water behind yes. her. And you just hear her scream, and then she's gone. Um, so uh, Hicks and Ripley go to leave uh, to try and find her and escape. And an alien close behind Corporal Hicks, uh, he shoots the alien. The blood burns his chest, but they're able to remove the armor from him, so it's not fatal. But he's badly damaged. Uh, Bishop arrives with the plane, but Ripley says, hey, we can't leave yet. I need to find Newt. And uh, she grabs a new pulse rifle and a shit ton of ammo from the uh, uh, ship before leaving. This is where, like, that mother instinct kicks in, because she cannot leave Newt behind. <clears throat> yep. Yep. She had her escape right here, free and clear. Yep. Um, so there's a moment before Ripley, Ripley leaves. She talks to Corporal Hicks, and he says, hey, my name's Dwayne. She says, my name's Ellen. Very touching scene. And uh, Ripley takes the elevator down, and we are, see her prepping in the elevator, getting ready for this fight that's about to ensue, or that she thinks is about to ensue. It's such a fucking awesome scene yeah seeing her load up all the guns she's got a flamethrower in one hand a pulse rifle with a uh, grenade launcher in the other dude it's awesome she's a badass i had to pause it at this scene and be like stacy how fucking cool is this <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the basement and uh, I, I wrote down how does she even know to go here i mean yes newt has a bracelet but it doesn't tell you whether it's up or down yeah. how does she know to go 16 floors down but whatever. She gets there, and as soon as she gets out of the elevator, she notices that the elevator automatically goes back up. Um, she leaves tracking flares on her path, so that way she can find her way out. Ripley's a very, very smart person. She very much is. Uh, and she finds the bracelet, but Newt's not wearing it anymore, so it fell off. Newt wakes up and sees an egg hatch in front of her. She is resin to the wall. So she screams, Ripley's able to hear it. She runs in, shoots the face hugger, and kills a couple of aliens that are in the room, frees Newt. Um, on their way out, she notices that they are now in the middle of a huge nest with a ton of eggs. And there's a queen alien looking at her, um, attached to this giant tube that's uh, basically processing the eggs. Um, and Ripley instantly starts her flamethrower to let the queen know hey i will kill everything that you have if you try and go near me so there's a couple of like protector aliens that are watching over the queen queen looks at them to tell them to back up basically <laughs> so ripley and newt slowly leave but then the eggs start to open up so ripley just kind of like tilts her head like all right that's how you want to roll fuck it yep. and she sets them all ablaze she's shooting them when she runs out of ammo she's using her grenade launcher at them just destroying everything this is like, you're not going to get me. So the queen rips herself free of the egg sack and starts chasing her down. And Ripley runs escaping and calls the elevator back down. They make it into the elevator just before the queen can get them. But the queen kind of watched them go up. And once she makes it up to the top, she can see the elevator right next to it is starting to go up. So they're waiting for Bishop to come in with the plane. And the elevator opens up. Queen is there. Plane arrives just in time. They jump in and escape. LE-426 explodes in the wake. And this is more scenes of seeing space and seeing the explosion. But I wrote, it's so much better in the first Aliens explosion that it, 
is it up to today's standard? No, but did it offend me? Not even close to it. Yeah. So I was okay with it. Um, she tells Bishop, hey, I'm very proud of everything that you did. Great job. So huge character arc there. And he seems happy that she said it, but as soon as he does, the queen's tail uh, shoots right through his stomach. She pulls him back with the tail, rips him in half, throws both halves in different directions. Uh, so the queen grabbed onto the ship as it took off. Um, so the queen's on the ship, and Ripley's distracting the queen away because the queen's trying to grab Newt. Mm -hmm. um, she's distracting her, Newt runs away, and she runs away, hops in the power loader. Queen's trying to get Newt. She comes out in the power uh, loader and just looks at the queen. Get away from her, you bitch. <laughs> and then just beats the shit out of the queen alien with the power loader's arms. Yeah. Such an awesome scene. Uh, she grabs the queen's head and squeezes it in the power loader, but then the queen alien is smacking its tail at her to try and kill her, so she had to release it. Um, from here, she opens up the uh, loading door to the ship and knocks the queen in but the queen drags her with it so she's now in the power loader with the queen she gets out of the power loader and uh starts climbing up to let it out but the queen grabs her ankle so she hits the emergency open button it opens up the vacuum of space the queen flies out and pops off her ankle so she's fine uh she's able to make her way back up to the top and uh shut the door so hicks survives ripley survives newt survives and bishop is there but he's torn in half but because he's an android he's still alive yeah. like it showed him up top helping newt to keep newt from flying out of the vacuum of space yeah uh and then ripley kind of just helps everybody go into their cryo sleep chambers uh and then ripley and newt both go to sleep and that's how the credits roll is the two of them sleeping movie's perfect yeah the only things that it needs i hope never get done the only thing that could fix this movie is a remake of it to fix the cgi parts yeah. uh that you're talking about but i hope that it never happens because everything else is just done so well i can't see how a movie can redo what was done here and improve on it in any way oh absolutely and even the cgi things that we're speaking of it's only because we're so used to the graphics nowadays. It's yeah. not that they were terrible. It's just that, did they hold up over time? No, but that's to be understood. Yep, absolutely. So I know that this uh, podcast ran a little bit long. We're already at an hour 11, but I'm so passionate about this movie. It's one of my favorite ones ever. Uh, I even sped up like the last couple pages that I had of notes just that way we can kind of get through it. Otherwise, I will be talking about it all day. This is a movie that you need to see. You should own. You should be watching it once a year. That Everything about this movie is great. Yeah, highly, I'm looking forward to it. watching the, um, extend, or the director speaking cut version yeah just for the mere fact that i think it's really going to enhance the movie experience yeah yep uh i started watching it before uh we started recording the podcast and dude, man it's so cool hearing some of this <laughs> stuff the stuff that i nerded out about so much as a kid and getting to see the behind the scenes how yeah. it was made why it was made how it was shot this way why it was shot this way all that stuff is very very cool especially if it didn't go as planned that's what makes it even cooler right um 
So till next time, uh, please, if you enjoy this podcast, give us a review on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast. Yeah. It takes you five seconds, but it helps us out more than you can possibly imagine. So that way other people can listen to this podcast as well. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Yeah, we're very Send us on, a message. We're very active on Instagram. If you have any questions, uh, you want to tell us a different opinion that you have or just discuss one of the movies that we're discussing or not even discussing yet, choose a message. Yeah. We'll get back to you. But until next time, this is the Hardest Edge Podcast. I'm Phil. And I'm Stacy. We'll catch you next time.